Do you ever feel like it's impossible to live up to certain people's standards, and particularly God's standard? Well, that's because it is. The good news, however, is that God's grace helps us to fill the gaps in all the arenas of our lives, including our disciplines. So join us as Eric continues our series, A Life of Grace, speaking on disciplines and the desires of the world. And welcome to Challenge. At our school, sometimes they flipped around the periods during standardized testing. So we had volleyball uh, in the morning that day. We also had a playoff game in the evening. And so coach didn't want us practicing. He's like, you have to show up to school. Um, Got to take attendance and all that. But, you know, don't worry about practicing. Just hang out by the gym, hit a ball around. and. Uh, I'll see you guys after school for the playoff game. And so we're all there and, you know, around the gym hitting this volleyball around and Roderick shows up. And Roderick in his hand, he has this water bottle. And in the water bottle is a clear liquid that is not water, but is vodka. 7.30 in the morning. A high achiever, right? And so uh, Roderick comes up and he's sipping on the vodka. And so we're, we're all just kind of passing the ball around. And coach comes to take attendance and say hello and everything. And so he says, you know, all the good wishes and all that. Then he goes to leave. And I don't know if it was like a sixth sense or something like that, but he, he sees the bottle. He's like, oh, what, what's in the water bottle? So Roderick gets fl- like flustered, like, uh, uh, you know, it's like that. And coach goes over, picks up the water bottle and smells it. Of course, it doesn't smell like water, right? Because it's vodka. And he's like, what's in the water bottle? And, you know, Roderick makes up this inspired story about how us innocent kids just found this weird water bottle and we don't know what's in it and all this kind of stuff. He wasn't buying it. So coach says, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to have you all line up against the wall of the gym. And one by one, I'm going to smell your breath. And we'll know who is drinking. It's actually a pretty clever solution. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I'm not too worried. I wasn't drinking. Uh, I wasn't looking forward to having coach's nose stuffed in my mouth, but... (laughs) But so we're walking over, and coach stops me. He's like, you know what, Eric? You could just go. I know you wouldn't do anything wrong. (laughs) Because coach knew I was also a high achiever of a different sort. And so I said, fine, and I I just got the heck out of there. Um, (laughs) Only one he said that to. And I I don't know what happened with everyone else. I don't really remember. I know for Roderick, I think he had to sit out the first set of the match, but it was the playoffs, so... We had to win, so we played him. Um, but the reason, the reason I tell this story um, is I think what I really remember from it is my thought process walking away from that situation, leaving my teammates behind. Um, I just had this thought in my mind like, wow, I can kind of get away with anything I, I want at this point. You know, I, if everyone else, all the teachers think that of me, like, you know, I could really do whatever. Um, so what, what do you think I did? Did I skip class, that I like burn down the school. Like, I, you know, I had all this freedom. I'm, I'm going to leave it though at a, at a cliffhanger. We'll come back to, to high school Eric later. But I tell this story because I think sometimes that attitude that I had is how we can approach God's grace. Um, you know, we're, we're presented with the amazing truth of God's grace. And as we talked about last week, it's um, the provision of God through Christ available to us to fill the gaps in all the arenas that we face. Uh, And sometimes I think we can think that, well, if God fills the gaps, does it really matter how big the gaps are? And we can can draw the conclusion that, well, it doesn't really matter what I do anymore because God's grace is going to cover that. You know, I can give in to the sinful desires that we all face, be really undisciplined in following God, and and just be okay. You know, going to heaven anyway, do it now, ask for forgiveness later, that whole thing. Uh, Now, I I don't think it looks like, you know, 
hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'll see you in heaven. I'm just going to go party and go crazy. I don't think that's the thought process that's going on. I think it's more subtle. There's these subtle temptations that we face, like, you know, maybe it's okay to fudge a little thing on my resume, get that job. You know, God, God's grace will cover it. Maybe it's okay if I lust a little bit here, God's grace is going to cover it. Maybe it's okay to gossip. God's grace is going to cover it. And really, if you let that attitude seep into your your thinking, it really can affect how you approach your daily walk with God. It approaches how you, you know, go through spiritual disciplines and all these different things that we do um, follow Christ. You know, the attitude that God's grace should excuse this undisciplined life and, you know, undisciplined in the sense that we give in to sinful desires, that's just not a biblical view of God's grace. We see this in Titus chapter 2. Starting in verse 11, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, also training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. You see it right there. God's grace is, yes, to give us salvation, bring us salvation, but it's also to train us to renounce these sinful desires and sinful passions and to live a self-controlled life. It's more than just a get-out-of-hell-free card. It actually leads us to be self-disciplined in how we approach every day. Um, in, in the present age, too, right now, isn't that interesting? It's not, uh, it's not just about like eternal life far off. Actually, that eternal life can start right now. In our minds, I think a lot of time, grace and discipline don't go together. They're the opposites. Um, but in Scripture, they actually do go to in, together. It's a whole other facet of God's grace that we don't tend to think about. But it, it is one that really changes how we approach our lives. So um, we're going to take a look today at Romans chapter 6, where Paul delves into this concept uh, more fully. And, and the context, I don't know how many of you have read Romans, but the context is in the first three chapters, Paul lays out essentially a case against humankind, that we all have sinned. We all have fallen short of God's uh, glory, God's standard. There really is no one who is good. We, we all have these gaps, Right? But then halfway through chapter 3, um, Paul introduces faith, faith in Jesus Christ, and the fact that through faith in Christ, we can be justified. And so as he's going through chapter 3, 4, and 5, talking about peace with God, faith, what it all means, and then he ends chapter 5 with these verses. For the law came in to increase the trespass, so the idea is that now we, we all know about God's will, we know what is right and wrong, and so uh, we are aware of our sin. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Right, it's that, that wonderful truth that um, through Jesus Christ, we can have eternal life. But if you're not careful, it also sets up the thought of, well, maybe this increasing sin isn't as bad, right? Because grace abounds all the more. Grace can, can overcome that. And actually, at, time, at the time of writing this letter uh, to the Romans, there was a lot of... Uh, um, critics of the gospel who argued that the gospel can't be true because it encourages sin. Like, how, how could this be right? And so, in chapter 6, Paul answers that argument. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Pretty clear. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So what does this all mean? 
Um, Why should we not uh, continue in sin? Well, it's because we have actually died to sin. What does that mean? Well, when you become a Christian, something profound happens uh, in, in your heart and in your life. The power of sin is broken. And you get the power to live a new type of life, this uh, newness of life that Paul talks about in verse 4. It's a life that is modeled after Christ and how he lived, self-control, you know, turning away from, from sinful desires. Uh, it's the same exact life that we see in, in Titus chapter 2, right? Self-controlled, upright in the present age. Um, and, and so Paul, in, in verses 3 and 4, he mentions baptism, right? And baptism is an is a outward symbol of what is actually happening when you become a Christian. And first, you're... you're um, put under the water, right? And that's representative of dying to sin, dying from this old way of living, um, living in rebellion to God and all that. And then you're raised out of the water, symbolic of the new life that Paul's talking about right here. So the grace of God is, yes, that we are saved, we have eternal life, but also we now have this power to walk in a newness of life. And it's a life that is, again, self-disciplined. Um, the eternal life, as I mentioned earlier, has already begun for us as believers. So Paul keeps going, uh, talking about this um, in the rest of the chapter. For if we have been united with him in a death like, the, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And so... What you see as Paul continues here is that uh, living this newness of life is a combination of two things. One, it is receiving the grace of God. And then two, it is responding to the grace of God. And he starts here by talking about what you've received. And he references there the old self, um, the old self that is, that is crucified. And what this is referring to is who you were before you trusted Christ. And, and what it says there is that the old self is enslaved to sin. Essentially what that means is that sin was our master, our ruler. This idea that we just couldn't help but sin and the pattern of our life is more and more sin. We're enslaved to it. We can't help it. It's a life where we're not following God, right? We're not controlling sinful desires. We don't really have the power to do that. Rather, we're just letting our sinful desires control our life. But the great news, right, and the grace of God is that says in uh, verse 7, as Christians, that was crucified, that life. We have died to this life of slavery to sin. Uh, we've been set free from that existence of just being sinning more and more and more. But that's not all. We also have been brought to life as well. Paul talks about this in verse 8. We have died with Christ. We believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Just as Jesus died but didn't stay dead, right? He rose again. So we too have died to sin, but we get this new type of life, the newness of life that is modeled after the pattern of Christ, one that is self-disciplined in, in obeying God when, when these temptations and uh, sinful desires come up. Now, does this mean you'll never sin again? No. Um, Paul, in fact, in in chapter 7, talks about this a little more. We're not going to look at that tonight, but the idea is that when you were a slave to sin, your natural tendency was sin. But now that power is broken. And the pattern of our lives now as Christians is growing more and more and more into maturity. 
more and more we turn away from sinful desires and live this self-controlled upright life of following God as it says in Titus. That is, that is God's grace that we get to do that. Now notice in verse 11, don't miss this, it says we need to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. The truth is that as a believer, you are no longer a slave to sin. This is something you have received. However, you can still very well act as though you were a slave to sin. You know, you could ignore all this. It's kind of what Neil was talking about last week when he said, uh, telling the story of Jonah, those who um, cling to worthless idols, forfeit the grace that can be theirs. That's what this is, right? We can still live as though we are slaves to sin based on what we're obeying. Are we obeying the sinful desires? Are we obeying God? Um, you probably have seen that, right? People who, who are Christians, but their life really doesn't look any different. Can't really tell maybe sometimes. Maybe that's been you at different times. Or maybe you've just had the thoughts like, well, I just, when, when sin comes, whatever it is, I just can't, I just can't help it. I've got to give in. You know, I'm, I'm a sinner. That's what sinners do. They sin. But, but the truth is you are alive to God. You are actually dead to sin. Um, you can choose to do what is right and obey God. You can be self-disciplined by the grace of God. And so you see, we have this new identity as alive to God, no longer slave to sin, but we really need to act out of that. We need to receive it and believe that that is true. And here's where Paul kind of transitions into talking about receiving the grace to how we should respond. He says this starting in verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions, right? Don't, don't obey sinful thoughts, but present your members to sin as instruments for, uh, or do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. You see, we as believers are called to respond to the grace of God in our lives by living a self-controlled life. We are called to be disciplined in response to the grace we've received from God. Um, it says it right there, as those who have been brought from death to life, we respond to our new identity as, as believers. Um, and, and what we're to do is present our members, which are our bodies, our efforts, our thoughts, everything about us to God. That's what Paul is getting at in Titus chapter 2 when he says that the grace of God trains us um, to live upright, righteous lives. You see, grace is not an excuse to just sin more. Uh, grace should not encourage more sin in our lives. Sin is awful and evil. We should not want to do it. It's because of the grace of God that sin has actually lost its dominion, its power over us. And we get to actually walk in a newness of life, one where we get control and, and um, or have control over our sinful desires. So we, we respond to God's grace by, by changing how we live. You know, worldly desires, these sinful desires, are, they're just that. They're just desires. You don't have to follow them. They don't rule, rule you. You can choose to not act on them by the grace of God. And you're going to need that grace of God every day to do this. But that, that's what the grace of God is. It's over time, more and more, as you follow him, obey him, more and more you, you're able to do that. More and more God trains you in righteousness. Paul poses the question again of grace from the angle now of response in, in uh, verse 15. What then are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means, again, very clear. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, 
either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. See, Paul points out the danger there in verse 16, right? You, you can be still obedient to sin. Depends on who you're obeying. But we are called to respond through God's grace by obediently following him from the heart, living out of that new identity. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're slaves of righteousness. And thanks be to God for that, right? That is God's grace in our lives. So we receive that new identity, no longer slaves to sin, slaves of righteousness, and then we respond to it. You know, going back to high school, Eric, leaving this scene with my teammates, walking down the halls thinking, you know, what am I going to do with all this power to, to do whatever I want? You know what I did? I just went to class. I studied. <laughs> I didn't do anything differently because I was a good student. That's just who I was. And so when I was presented with this temptation, like, oh, maybe I should just ditch or whatever, I, I didn't. That's not who I was. Um, I was able to, to control that thought and, and that temptation. And the same is true with us. Who are you? By the grace of God, you are a slave to righteousness. That is who you are. That is the new identity that you've received by God's grace and by God's grace, how you can respond to living in this fallen, sinful world that we live in. And as you mature, more and more you can leave sin behind. More and more sin, sin just seems stupid. Why, why would we do this? More and more we get to walk in the newness of life that God has given us by his grace through Jesus Christ. So what then? Does it practically look like to receive and respond to God's grace, um, to his you know, gracious act of, of delivering us from being slaves to sin? Well, Paul gives us this interesting verse um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that I want to take a look at. Now, the context of this verse is Paul is talking to the Corinthians about the gospel, specifically that Jesus actually did raise from the dead. And so he's going through all the different people who Jesus appeared to. And so he starts to say this, and we get to see a little bit of his testimony. Um, last of all, as, one to, as to one untimely born, he, being Jesus, appeared also to me, being Paul. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Um, Paul was a slave to sin before he met Jesus. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he persecuted the church, right? I mean, he, he is responsible for the death or um, imprisonment of, of many believers. But then he became a slave of righteousness. God totally changed his life. So look, look in this verse how he is receiving God's grace. He says at first, unworthy to be called an apostle. And just imagine for a second, if you were Paul, how much that past would haunt you. All the, all the Christians that you persecuted in your previous life as a, as a slave to sin. Um, you know, Acts chapter 9 talks about he was breathing threats and murders against Christians. He was there when Stephen was stoned. You know, he could hear the, the screams and smell the blood and all the horror of that act. Do you imagine just the, the, the guilt that he had? I mean, him and Stephen probably would have been really great friends, but they stoned him. But look how Paul receives the grace of God. He doesn't dwell on that. Instead, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
He's reminding himself of the truth. What is Paul at the time of this writing? He is a slave of righteousness. He is walking in the newness of life. So he is just reminding himself of the truth. And that's what we need to do if we want to receive. We need to remind ourselves of the truth of our identity, this identity that we've received from God. You know, I think a lot of times when we're tempted to sin, when we're tempted to just give in, the enemy you know, brings things to mind like, well, you have to sin. You're probably the worst Christian that ever was, right? You may not even be a Christian. There's no escape. Just give in. And what do you do? Tell yourself the truth. That's not the truth. You are a slave to righteousness. The power of sin in your life has been broken. You do not have to obey it. You can be self-controlled. I think we can really get tripped up by our past. I don't know where you come from, but yeah, we can get tripped up by that. But instead, we need to remember who God says we are. That's our new identity. That's exactly what Paul is getting at in Romans 6.11, right? When he says, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Um, we need to constantly be reminding ourselves of the truth every day. That is how we receive practically. And how do you respond? Well, let's again go back to, to 1 Corinthians 15. Look at what he says about his response to grace. He worked hard, harder than any of them. Now, is this working to earn grace or, or merit or favor? No, that's not what this is talking about, right? The grace of God is unearned. Um, working hard is not going to make God love you more. We talked about that last week as well. But rather, the grace of God in Paul's life prompted him to take action, to actually live a life that was surrendered to God's purposes, to actually surrender his life, right, to ultimately sharing the gospel and ultimately being killed for it. But he lived a disciplined life of following Christ. He was obedient. He chose to obey. And see, that Paul realized and really put into practice what we need to realize, too, is that the grace of, because of the grace of God, we have access to walk in this newness of life. We have the power to walk in this newness of life through the Spirit. But to experience it, we actually have to live it. We actually have to put it into practice and take action. Um, and so I think, I think with that, there's two things I would encourage you to do. To look to do just, just every day um, to respond. The first thing is stay in step with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. As Christians, God has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us, uh, to help us detect sinful desires, to turn away from them. You know, you may be thinking about doing something, and then you just feel something inside you saying, that's not a good idea. That's, you know, that's probably the Holy Spirit prompting you to do something. And so when that happens, we shouldn't quench the Spirit, as it says um, in 2 Corinthians 5.19, I believe. Um, what that means is we shouldn't just ignore it. Rather, we should be disciplined enough to follow what God is trying to tell us through the Holy Spirit. We should follow that prompting, and, and every time it comes up, follow again and again and again. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 5. He's talking about um, similar ideas, and he says this about the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That is an amazing promise that we can hold on to, right? The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now there is, you, you notice in that verse, there is a tension, right? To do the, what does it say? To do the things uh, you want, or keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Again, you're not going to do this perfectly every time. Um, and then you have God's grace to rely on then as well. But through God's grace, you know, we can really put this into practice. We can walk by the Spirit. We can keep in step by the Spirit, if we're actually led by it, as it says there 
in Galatians chapter five. So we really need to stay vigilant in response to God's grace, listening to the spirit, following it when it prompts us to do things, even the hard things, the things that make us uncomfortable. That's what it means to really respond to God's grace and put it into practice. And the second thing I would encourage you to do, seems basic, but take the spiritual discipline seriously. You know, this isn't a legalistic thing. God's not going to love you more if you read the Bible more or have a thicker memory verse pack. Um, but <laughs> he's not. Um, sorry to disappoint you. But having a quiet time and doing these things is really going to help you consistently live out the newness of life that God has for you. Uh, now, why is that? It's because as you spend time with God in his word, memorizing again to your heart, praying, all these different things, well, you know, you discover more and more of the truth of God. You discover, points out different sinful patterns in your life. It challenges you, exposes you, right? All these different things and really transforms your heart. Um, we go back to, to Romans chapter 6. I don't know if you, you caught this, but look at verse 17. Um, Obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. These people were committed to learning the word of God and following it. So we ought to be the same. You know, that, that's part of how we respond to God's grace. Again, it's not a legalistic thing. It's not like, a, oh, what about, you know, it's not like that at all. It's really something we ought to do and should want to do because it's really going to help us as we walk in this newness of life, this wonderful newness of life that God gives us through his grace. Now, what do you think would happen if you put just these two things into practice? Receiving God's grace, telling yourself the truth, and then responding by really following the spirit and you know, taking part of these spiritual disciplines. Well, Paul, in chapter 6, he doesn't end it where we left off. There's actually a little bit more that, uh, that tells us what will happen. Starting in verse 19. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Here he's just commenting on the word slave is a, it's a metaphor, right? But um, he goes on to say, for just as you, were, uh, you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to law lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So Paul here is presenting two paths. The, path, the first path is the path of the slave to sin. And where does it lead more and more lawlessness? Um, then the other path is the path of the slave righteousness. And where does that lead? Uh, sanctification. Paul goes on in uh, verse 20 and says this, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. You don't have to obey God. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, the, the fruit of that first path is more and more lawlessness, more and more sin. You're a slave to it. You can't help it. And it ultimately ends up in death. Oh, but the fruit of the second path, right, is, is sanctification. What that means is you become more and more like Christ. And Paul here is really asking the question. He's giving us a choice, right? And, and the, the factor of the choice is what was the fruit? What was the fruit of the two paths? And here, he doesn't really go into detail. He says it a little bit. But in Galatians chapter 5, which we just looked at for following the Spirit, Paul gives us these lists. Here's the first list. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. That's not magic tricks. 
Nelson, that is, uh, <laughs> that is like consulting demons to do things, so don't worry. Um, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Um, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is not a great list, right? I, I think we can all agree. Um, but that is what it looks like to be a slave of sin, more and more lawlessness. And I don't know how you process such a list. It's a lot of very intense words, right? Like, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, like, man, some of these things, orgies, like all this, it's, it's a lot of, it's intense, right? It's um, <laughs> unpleasant. Um, so I don't know how, how you process that, but the, according to the Bible, that is where you were headed. That is the path you were on before you became a Christian. And you know what? When I look at this list, I definitely do see a lot of that. Not all of it. I wasn't a sorcerer, but I, <laughs> I mean, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, jealousy, rivalries, divisions, envy. A lot of those, I'm like, yeah, that is where I was headed. And not, not many of you knew me before I was a Christian. Um, a few of the staff at this point, but um, you all know me as Eric, the staff member. Um, but that, that is where I was headed, and that is where you were headed before Jesus. The next verses show us the um, fruit of the path of the slave of righteousness. Through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That first list, that is where you are headed, and this is where you're going. The follower of Jesus, this is the list that defines you now. That is the grace of God. That we get this list because of his, his grace, his kindness, his goodness to us. We are now on this path, this newness of life. Now we get to bear this fruit, much better fruit. Um, but look, don't, don't miss it. It is a result of two things. One, it is a result of the grace of God, what we have received through Jesus Christ, something deep inside of you that has changed, right? Crucified the flesh. We live by the Spirit now. It's something new about us. It's our identity. But it is also a result of us responding to that. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. The two go hand in hand. Go hand in hand. You live by the Spirit, your new identity. It's your new identity. Now you need to discipline yourself to walk by the Spirit in order to experience all the wonderful things that come from that new identity and that new path that you're on now. And you know what? By God's grace, just as what happened with Paul, life fully turned around. That can happen to you. That's what happened to me, you know? And this is the list that defines me now. I'm not perfect on this, but because of God's grace, you know, I've been taking small steps day after day after day. I've been doing this now 10 years. Um, I'm, I'm a totally different person. I mean, ask Neil, Jeremy, Aaron, those who were around Courtney when I, when I started. Um, I'm totally different now. You know, as I work every day to, to try to keep in step with the Spirit, not, not to earn God's favor, but really just to respond to his grace that he has shown me. You know, I am very, very, very glad um, that I responded to God's grace and that I received it in the first place. So I encourage you tonight just to do the same thing. You are a slave of righteousness. You are dead to sin and alive to God. So receive that. Believe it. Tell yourself the truth. 
and then respond by walking in the newness of life that he graciously gives to all of us who follow him. Let's pray. God, we thank you just for the truth of this scripture. We thank you for your grace in our lives. I really do ask that you would protect us from the lies of the enemy on this. God, it is so easy to fall into old habits and old ways of thinking and, and just sin. I pray that you would protect us. Remind us of the truth. And God, I pray that through your spirit and through your grace, you would produce this fruit in our lives. Thank you so much for the newness of life that you have given us. I pray, God, that we would, I pray that you would keep your, keep your promise to be true, that if we walk by the spirit, we do not, will not gratify desires of the flesh. So thank you. And we praise you in your name. Thanks for listening to the USA Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms where you can also give us a review. We meet in person every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. in TCC 450 on the campus of the University of Southern California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you there. Get involved with us and find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.